And now for something purposely positive. Welcome to Strive to Thrive, the Purposely Positive Podcast, brought to you by TonyWCoaching.com, where your greatest success is right in front of you. This is Tony Wexler, your host, and on this podcast, we talk about positive issues to bring positive content into the world. There's a lot of talk out there about the importance of being confident, but what exactly is confidence and why is it essential for success? The dictionary defines it as a feeling or consciousness of one's power or of the reliance on one's circumstances. Well, that's a lot of words. Personally, I prefer a more simple definition. Certainty equals confidence. On today's podcast, my dear friend Julia and I are going to discuss believing in your own success and how confidence is the key factor. Julia, welcome back to the podcast. Thank you very much, Tony. <laughs> I'm super happy to have this second episode with you. I think I really enjoyed the first one and how it came out. So I'm ready for a second round. Yes, we did a great episode. If you haven't listened, it's on emotional intelligence. And I just really thought that uh, we had a great discussion and we talked about a lot of things that people can use in their everyday life. And I know that we're going to do the same today. Definitely. It's such an important topic. And people, I think, get confused about what self-confidence is. And I love what you said at the beginning, that certainty is confidence. Uh, I think it comes from experience. And that's why you get that certainty. And if I may, like I see a few people, like I'm jumping right in. Is that okay? That's absolutely <laughs> but, uh, good. I see a few people misunderstanding self-esteem and self-confidence. And I love that to, to show that there is a difference. Of course, self-esteem can, can help you have better self-confidence, but self-confidence comes from taking an uncomfortable action. So you, you become more self-confident the more uncomfortable action you take. But that being said, it's completely normal to not feel confident on certain things, things that you haven't experienced before. And I would not feel confident like doing an open heart surgery or something like that. This is not my field. I do not feel confident in it. Um, so the self-confidence comes from having experienced something and from gradually becoming better and better and better at it. And so you know that you're better. But it has to come from a place where you take uncomfortable action first and the more you do it, the more you feel confident in the process of taking those uncomfortable steps, if that makes sense, and yes. becoming more self-confident. It's the more we do something, the more confident we get at it. And yeah. it's like me as a musician, for example, I can go on stage. And as long as I know the song, I'm going to be fine, especially if it's something that I've played over and over and over again. No problem. I'll have no problem getting up there on stage and doing it, I'll feel totally confident. But when we're learning like a new song and it's the first time you're performing it, you haven't done mm -hmm. it as much. And then you have uncertainty. Mm -hmm. What I like to call that is performance confidence. Performance confidence is when we've done something a lot very well, we have confidence because we know that we can do it. The question comes is what happens when we haven't done something? Can we still have that confidence? But I think it cannot come from nowhere is that it has to be rooted in you taking the first uncomfortable actions and then getting used to that kind of like you never get used to being uncomfortable, but you can make it a habit 
to always challenge yourself so that it's part of who you are. But there are ways that you can become more confident with everyday behaviors, for example. I would love to know what you think about that first. I had just talked about how we have performance confidence, but there's also something that's called acceptance confidence. What that is, it has to do with accepting the uncertainty. So remember before we said confidence equals certainty, when we learn to accept the uncertainty and we're willing to go ahead and do it anyway and to have fun, be playful, enjoy it, that is when we don't need the guarantee of certainty. And that's when we really feel truly confident. I mean, have you ever had one of your friends say, there's just something about this person when you're talking to them? That's one of the some things I think that people have. They have that confidence that whether they screw up or not, it doesn't matter. They already accepted whatever outcome is going to happen. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah, it does make sense. That being said, I don't think you can be self-confident all the time. Like, it's okay to have doubts. And I think uh, this makes me think of body positivity because it's, of course, your self-confidence is linked to many different outside circumstances, not just inside. And the way you are like physically and how you compare to the beauty standards, which changes all the time, by the way, and hasn't been changing so fast since like the the few years uh, the, two, the 2000s, it's been crazy how the beauty standards have been evolving so fast and the different body trains and all that have been crazy. Uh, so it's hard to actually always feel empowered by your outer appearance. And there was like this movement that developed it, that, that developed that was body positivity. And that kind of has become in some ways an extreme way of thinking as well. It's like you cannot be body positive if you are, have doubts about yourself, which I think is completely delusional. And it's about loving yourself unconditionally and always seeing the positive side and rejecting the negative emotions, which to me, it doesn't make sense. It's impossible to reject your negative emotions all the time. And it's not even healthy. It's a little bit like with kids. You cannot say, it's okay, don't cry. Like, it's okay to cry. <laughs> and right. it's okay sometimes to feel sad and your negative emotions are as valid as your positive ones. So yeah, there is this toxicity that has come out of the body positive movement that to me, that's sad because I think a lot of women and men are being influenced by the beauty models around us and by the different trends that are out there. It's not just about acceptance of who you are. It's normal sometimes to feel that doubt about how you look on the outside. And I'm talking about the outside because it does impact how confident you feel. And it's, you will not tell me otherwise, because I know a lot of us struggle with that. We struggle because sometimes we doubt because of all the beauty we see around us. And it's normal to love beauty. Again, it has always been that way. We've always loved beauty. We painted beauty. Like we, beauty is art. And I love yes. beauty as well. Absolutely. <laughs> And you have beauty in many different ways, shapes, and, and forms, you know? I think in social media, a lot of times with the development of the filter, people will post videos and reels of themselves with this filter on where they can make themselves, basically it cleans them up, makes them look beautiful. But then when they go out in the world without the filter, they, they feel a lot more self-conscious about mm. themselves. They don't feel that they're as beautiful. They feel that they need the filter to be beautiful. And, you know, I did a whole episode of the podcast talking about beauty is from the inside. 
And when you shine from the inside, it shows up on the outside. And the people that uh, we're attracted to in the world, they're not necessarily always physically what you would consider physically beautiful, but it's if they're Mm -hmm. internally beautiful, it's the same way. And I think when you feel confident internally, I think that shows up on the external side. Does that make sense? A hundred percent. I agree with you. I do think that what you're talking about is charisma and it comes from self-confidence as well. And I love charisma. And I think this is why, as you say, people that are not in the beauty stereotype do look beautiful to others. Like one of my favorite actor in the whole world is Benedict Cumberbatch, you know, and everyone around me tells me like, he's ugly. And I'm like, hell no, like, <laughs> not to me. Yeah, exactly. So beauty, beauty is is different. Whether like you're talking about filter, but we all see the world with a certain filter ourselves, and those are not Instagram filters, but still they are based on our personality, on the experience that we've been through, and yeah, we have it, and that's how we see beauty in the world. But to me, to really be comfortable with who you are, it's it's not about rejecting how you look or thinking that you can become unhealthy or that you can for example like we see a lot of influencers that talked about body positivity that shifted their their shape shape shifted for example i think about adele you know the singer that lost a lot of weight and that was loved because she was a bit chubby but still beautiful because she was she was having a beautiful voice and all that and when she lost weight she got so much hate for it by body positive positivity um crew like groups i think this is delusional like i hate it (laughs) we can change we are always evolving we are always uh, and it's not because she lost weight that she doesn't prone body positivity or that she changed and now is like coming to this standardized beauty Ah, that that makes me angry (laughs) Yeah, we should yeah. Not go that way. <laughs> I, I think pe- people can be very judgmental, and I think that's that's something that hurts people's confidence. Because if we're afraid about people judging us for our appearance or how we sound or some of the expressions we use or anything in general, I think when we start using this, something is good and something is bad. Especially when we talk when we talk about emotions or body type mm-hmm. or anything like that, everyone is unique. And when we start embracing yeah. people's uniqueness and you yeah. know, you gave a great example of Adele. I mean, yeah, back when she first came out, okay, maybe she was not the ideal weight that was pictured in all the magazines, but you know, she mm-hmm. was beautiful. She had a, a lovely voice and yeah. she was a very attractive woman, whether yeah. she's at that size or if she wants to feel better about herself. And as long as she's not being unhealthy about it and wants to lose some weight, then that's really her decision. And it's not up to people to judge, but we do live in a judgmental world. And I think Mm. knowing that the world is very judgmental is what can hurt people's confidence. Definitely. I agree with it. I think we are judgmental of, of ourselves first and foremost. Oh, that's that's so true. When it comes to music, I would say I'm my own worst critic. Whenever I play somewhere, I hear all the mistakes that I make. Now, someone else will come up to me and says, oh, wow, I just heard you guys play. That was great. And, I, and I'm thinking to myself, mm, it wasn't so great I because I hear all the mistakes because I know what should be there. But the thing is, when we focus on the enjoyment we're giving others and the pleasure we're giving others from that stage. And if they're enjoying it, then that'll help us to be more confident, even though we are making mistakes. I love that. The joy that you give to others through 
your art is what makes you feel more confident as well. And it doesn't have to be perfect. And I love saying it to my clients is that taking actions towards your dream will never be perfect the first time you do it. You're just trying out, you're discovering, you're experimenting. And, or do you say experiencing? <laughs> Either and, way. Uh, I think it's about tricking your brain into enjoying the process of not knowing, as you said earlier, like being comfortable with not knowing with the uncertainty that you talked about. So I'm going to transition back because we're talking today about confidence, but the overall topic has to do with believing in our own success. When we start to believe in ourselves and start taking these uncomfortable actions, that helps us every time we go out and we take an uncomfortable action. And if it works out, what happens is we build upon one confidence after another, one success after another. But sometimes we don't do as well. And what we have to learn to do is to look at what most people would call a failure as a learning experience. And that's something that I like to call learning confidence, because no matter what happens in the situation, you are guaranteed that you're going to learn a lesson. Yeah, I like this idea of learning confidence. It's really powerful. I think I fall into this category with that, like knowing how you call this, but uh yeah, that's that's really powerful. And I think that's why people stay stagnant sometimes is this fear of failure. But once you shift your mindset and change your limiting beliefs of that you cannot do things or that you will fail because thinking like this will lead you to failure, unfortunately, then after you can just try anything <laughs> that you want. Yes. Uh, now, a little story here. I'm going to go back into some of my past when I was in my 20s, very early 20s, uh, I looked like I was probably 12 at the time, but I was maybe 22. I got a real estate license because I had a family member who was very successful in real estate and I wanted to do that. So I tried that and I stuck it out for maybe a year, year and a half, maybe two years at most, but I just didn't seem to have the success that I wanted. And part of it was that I had this limiting belief that because I was so young, that people would not entrust me with their most valuable asset, which was their house. So what happened was I was invested in the outcome. I wanted to be out there making a lot of money, selling a lot of houses, helping a lot of people, doing the overall real estate thing. But what happened was I started focusing on the things that were not happening. You know, gee, I wasn't building this real estate career as fast as I could. And I was yeah. looking for an excuse and the excuse had to do with, well, you're too young to do this. And then once I fell into that trap, then I stepped away and I ended up not mm -hmm. succeeding where if I could go back and tell my 20 year old self again, I would have said, no, keep trying because every time you fail, you're learning. Don't be invested in the outcome, just be interested in the outcome, but be invested in the learning. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's beautiful. What you said earlier, you talked about how to you have to feel joy in the process. I have two views on that. I think that's key to be able to find joy in what you want to do or what you are doing. But at a certain point, it's going to be painful because it's hard work. And I see people giving up the moment it becomes more painful than it brings joy. But that's exactly the moment where you want to push because success doesn't come from 
only joy. It also comes from hard work. And I think this is something that gurus nowadays are kind of not telling us. They think we can achieve just anything like that once we switch our mind. Thing is that it does require work. (laughs) And you need to, to start to enjoy working and to enjoy the process of working and, and to be way out of your comfort zone. Like there is a mixed feeling for me as to what you said about like this joy thing, um, because it can be hard, but you still have to like it. Yeah. <laughs> Am yeah. I saying people to become a masochist? <laughs> like, I don't know. <laughs> no, but, I, uh, I understand I what you're it. saying. You talked before a little bit about body positivity and how there is a lot of negativity associated with body positivity. Uh, There's something else out there, and you just kind of touched on it, and I wanted to dig that out a little bit. There's that law of attraction movement where the more we believe, anything we believe, we can achieve. And I, Mm -hmm. I truly believe that that is true. It all starts with believing that we can do it. But the problem is that we can't just stop with believing. We have to act. You know, it's like fruit. If you have a lovely piece of fruit and it falls from the tree. Okay, great. But unless we actually take the action, we pick it up and we eat it. We're not going to enjoy that fruit. We have to take the action. And that's where a lot of people kind of fall short. They believe, oh, if I keep believing that I'm going to have a million dollars and I put up this beautiful vision board, which which is great. I mean, I'm I'm a an advocate of of these things. But if we don't do anything, if we don't take action in the process, number one, we're not going to succeed. And number two, that's really going to take a bite out of our confidence because we're going to feel like, oh, this isn't happening for me. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. It's like even better, you have to grow the tree first so that the fruits can hang and then fall. You know, it's the entire process takes time and effort. And that's something I see people struggling to enjoy to love effort basically um it's the same with sports maybe i'm an extremist or something (laughs) i've always (laughs) loved multiple sports and and pushing myself and trying different kind of things and then this mindset pushes you to try even better things with your own life with your private life with your business you want to have a better relationship with your partner you want to have better relationship with your kids you want to have better relationship at work or you want to have a better work start your business have more money have more joy and happiness overall and i think there's something quite addictive with that and at the moment i have a client that sounds like he had it all at some point in his life and he's an overachiever, which I think I fall into this category. You tell me if I'm wrong, I think you too. But then you have achieved so much and then you're stuck in that cycle and it kind of becomes a vicious cycle is that you don't, you do not give yourself enough credit for what you've achieved and you do not enjoy the moment you've achieved something. It's like you always want more. And the question is, is, when is it enough? (laughs) Mm, Is it enough at some point? That is true. We are creatures who are motivated with more and more and getting more and building, having more money, having more time with our families, more success. Everything is built on achieving things. And while achieving things is good, we have to have that balance. And I think to have true success And to have true confidence, we have to have a balance in life. We have to have a work balance and a home balance. You know, if we're spending all of our days 
working hard in the office and we're not spending that time with our close friends and family, then are we really a success? Yeah, it's in your relationship. And the, the success to me is in your relationship. That's why I love communication. And I explain that to my clients all the time is that the way you find joy is not in being alone. Like you can find joy in reading a good book. You can find joy in, in like in art around you, in nature. But why would it be nice if you cannot have anyone to share it with? You want to share this with. You can have all the knowledge in the world if you have nobody to share it with. This becomes completely useless. And that's something a lot of people struggle with is loneliness. And I've seen it after the COVID period. Can we say the word COVID now? Yeah, <laughs> I think not. we can say it. <laughs> Podcast. <laughs> but it really triggered something. I feel like a lot uh, of the population around the world realized how lonely they were in a world where we are all, all connected. We still feel more lonely than ever. That's a great point, Julia. I think a lot of people out there that were, especially during the whole lockdowns when that was going on, now, I had a lot of positive experiences from that because I used that as an opportunity to learn more. I was able to mm -hmm. take online courses. I spent more time reading, but I'm a very social person. I'm a super extrovert. I love being around people. So I always tried to find a way, no matter what, to be around people. And I think that's something even the most introverted person still needs those connections. They still need to be around people. And when they're feeling oh, yeah. lonely. So I think that's where a lot of darkness is happening. You know, the other thing that people forget to do is to unplug for a while. Uh, there's a great quote by an author by the name of Anne Lamont. I think it's L-A-M-O-T-T. -T. Anyway, she said that almost everything will work again if you unplug it for a few minutes, including you. And I think that's so important. When our computers don't work or our media, our television, whatever, they don't work. Sometimes we just have to unplug it and plug it back in. Add it again. We have to reboot. do the same thing. Yes, we have to reboot ourselves. And in order to be successful, achieve success, and to build our confidence along the way, I think it's important that not only do we take action, work hard, but we have to know when to unplug and part of that unplugging, I think, has to do with staying in our relationships as well. I like that. Staying in our relationships. And that's something that we struggle to do more and more. The number of people I see around me that struggles to stay in their relationship, not only friendship, loving relationship, but the number of divorce and, and letting go of people the moment it starts to be not a win-win situation, kind of. And I'm not talking about leaving behind people that have a toxic uh, influence on you. You can definitely feel the difference of someone that is having a hard time and that is being negative on the moment and someone that is always sucking your life energy out of you, kind of. Yes. <laughs> yeah, but still, in life, it's never going to be flat. It's always up and down, and you have moments where you have to hang on to your relationship even more than before. And that's something that we nurture with my husband a lot, is that we know... If one time one of us says, I think it's over, like we are taking a break, we know there is no coming back. And that's something I think a lot of people are missing is that they give each other so many different chances. And this is something that <laughs> we never, ever gave ourselves. It's like we have this one chance, but this one chance is going to work. And if it doesn't, like that's that's it. And the fact that we know that it's so precious and that it can, when it breaks, it breaks. We really try to keep it strong 
That that, is, does, that, does that make sense? Oh, absolutely makes sense. You know, one of the things that I've always said, and this has to do really with our topic today, is when it comes to success, successful relationship, if you have a successful relationship, it's a relationship that's going to make you feel more confident, not less. And if you're in a relationship where you're not feeling confident, maybe you're in a relationship with someone who's on the very narcissistic side. And those people tend to put you down. You never feel like you're good enough. Mm. And if you're in that type of relationship, I believe that's not a successful relationship. That's not a good relationship to be in. The successful ones will make you feel more confident. It's so important that people realize that. And those are the relationships that you want to invest time in. And talking about this makes me come to the point of like, how do you do to feel confident to take uncomfortable actions? And I think it comes from believing in yourself. And the moment you start believing in yourself, everything changes. And it's not about being arrogant. You know, you, you it's not about bragging about how good you are and how you're going to be successful and all that. But to believe in yourself, you also need to surround yourself with people that believe in you. And that's something that I really nurture on my in my business. And that's why people come to me and are attracted to me. And they always say the same thing is that, Julia, I want to work with you because I saw you believed in me and I needed that to take the action. That is beautiful. I see that a lot too, because one of the things that we tend to do as coaches, the big difference between a consultant and a coach is when you hire a consultant, you ask them, here's the problem I have, you fix it for me. But as a coach, people will come to us and say, we have a problem, help me fix it. And you give them the power to fix it. So Mm. at the end, when they have gone through it, reached a transition to the next level or even a complete transformation. We don't say, hey, look at me, the coach. I helped you do this. If it wasn't for me, no, we don't come with that attitude. We're like celebrating for the client. Yes, you did it. You pulled it off. You made it happen. And when we can do that to people, it brings them more joy, more confidence, makes them feel more successful and makes them really believe in their success because it was them who did it along the way. Yeah. And then there's this feeling of pride. And I don't think it's like, I don't think ego is such a bad thing. Um, It's always been vilified throughout a lot of socials and a lot of people are always telling that they have to be selfless, kind of. I don't think ego is so bad i mean you are good you are good for yourself and uh i love to say that you are the one that you're going to live with and die with and nobody else so you really have to take care of what you want out of this life and try to make yourself happy Uh, it's about pouring from a cup that is full instead of trying to pour from an empty cup you know it's not working and I can feel it um, with my daughter, as you talked about, uh, we talked behind the scene a little bit about the holidays. You need to unwind to be able to take care of yourself and have nurturing practices to be able to then pour again into other people's cup. As coaches, it's it's key. It's key to be able to motivate the people that are working with you and and to show them that you're here to support their decisions and to guide them in the best way possible. Yeah, it's it all comes down to love. <laughs> <laughs> love of yourself and love of others. I think like it's the key in everything. I think that's my religion, as the song says. Yeah. Well, it is true because, I mean, well, 
the Beatles, who are one of my favorite musical artists, they sang a song, All You Need Is Love. And the other thing is, and I've brought this up many times on the podcast, some of the listeners probably go, oh, here, here goes Tony again. But in the Bible, it says, love your neighbor as yourself. And what that does, it presupposes that you already love yourself. So yeah. if you want to love your neighbor or even the people that you're in a relationship with, your friends, your romantic partners, your husband, wife, you have to love yourself first. And if you don't, then it's going to be very difficult to love somebody else and to share that love with them. So I think yeah. that is a brilliant point that you brought up. It's about also not waiting for others to love you. I think I struggle with that. I don't know if you can connect with that, but wanting to always have the credit from others for your actions. Like I wanted people to be proud of me and to love me. And I always wanted to achieve not really, I mean, it was for me because I wanted their love, but it was like for, so that they would be happy and show me their love kind of, I was kind of buying their love. And then in the end, it's kind of a toxic trait in your relationships because when the person doesn't have enough to pour into your cup, you feel completely empty and then all your self-confidence is is flying away and you're not taking any actions and you become very stagnant with your life. And then it can become a vicious cycle because you're asking for more love out of someone that is not ready or in a position to give you any. And if you don't know how to love yourself at that moment, it can be like, it can be so lonely. So, so really lonely. As I talked about earlier, to me, that's such a powerful feeling to have, the feeling of loneliness. Yeah. But yeah. I think you touched on a lot of things there in that when we have to perform in order to get love, I can relate to this in a similar way as a performer, as a musician, because when I get up in front of a crowd, there's nothing greater than the feeling of the applause from the audience or the mm. knowing that the people in the crowd are having a good time. And the more people that are out there, the more energy that I have, and I'll feed off the crowd's energy. But you have to realize is that I don't need a bunch of people in front of me applauding to tell me that I'm a successful musician. I don't need those people. It's just, it's part of the relationship. And if it's a two-way relationship where I'm giving everything that I've got, and then they're giving back in the form of their enjoyment, then there's a, there's a blessing there. Yeah. And again, it's about finding balance with what you're saying, because it's still good to feel flattered and to love the applause. It's not bad. Like, it's good to, to, to want to do it and to feel happy and to aim for that applause. It's okay. But it's about still liking what you do and loving music when you do not get the applause. You see what I mean? It's finding this balance and not vilifying something that doesn't have to be vilified because it's a valid feeling to want to have people proud of you. Yeah, that's balance. <laughs> Key in balance. the end, that's the word again. Yes, um, I balance. would love if we could like give maybe the audience some keys as to how they can build up that confidence to be successful and to believe in their own success. So Absolutely. what would be your, your first one, for example? You gave something just a couple minutes ago that I wanted to bring back. And I think that is so important. And it was a statement, and we can put this in quotes and put your name on it. In fact, maybe I'll even post it on social media, <laughs> is the moment you start believing in yourself, everything changes. And I think that really, it starts with that belief. We have to believe in ourselves. We have to, just like 
the title of the episode, Believing in Our Success, right? We have to have that belief. Everything starts with believing in ourselves. So if we want to be more confident, we need to start and we need to say, okay, I can do this. And you know what? It may take me a while. I may struggle a little bit along the way, but I know that I'm going to be able to do this. And it could be anything from maybe learning a new language, right? Because mm-hmm. you speak many different languages and I speak English. <laughs> <laughs> Good enough. Yeah, yes. <laughs> Shakespeare's yes. language, my favorite. Yes. Uh, yes, absolutely. Love Shakespeare. But it's believing that when we set out to do a task, when we set out to learn something, that in the end, no matter how long it takes, we're going to be able to do do that. I take dancing lessons and I take different types of dancing. And whenever I learn a new step in the very beginning, it's very frustrating, but I'm going to believe if I didn't believe I could do it, I wouldn't be able to do it. So like you said, the moment we start believing in ourselves, that's when everything changes. So that's the first thing I kind of took that from you. Yeah, but that's really powerful to me. That's one of the most powerful thing. Your brain is shaping the way you see the world. And we talked about those filters earlier, train your brain to act and to think in the way you want your life to be. We talked about law of attraction. It's just about how you train your brain to to see different things. And then when you shift your limiting beliefs and all your beliefs in general, you start acting in that way. So it all comes down from your brain. But before then, there is something even more powerful than your brain, and it, it is your feelings. And your feelings will shape your brain. It's kind of like an a coming and going, like you don't really know, like the the egg of the hen or the hen. You don't really know which one was here first. It's kind of like feeding each other. Your feelings are feeding your thoughts, and your thoughts are feeding your feelings. That was hard to say, <laughs> but I believe that feelings are even more important. I I believe that because in sales, it is the number one thing that I try to have with my clients is this feeling of goals and and joy that they want to achieve and stepping away from the pain that they are in uh, and struggles that they want to 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 step away from and if i really master that if i really understand them on that point and take their feeling with me then it's almost always a sell more than thinking more about finding logical reasons to buy for example i'm talking about like business here finding emotional reasons too is always so much more powerful what do you think about that would you say it's Uh, the brain or the feelings i mean it's all in the brain still but (laughs) i think we have people who have two sides of the brain right some people are very keen on their emotional response everything has to do with emotion and then there are some people that are are the you know real cerebral types of the overthinkers Mm -hmm. and i think whenever we're in any selling situation we need to do a little bit of both but that being said i tend to believe that most people tend to be more on the emotional side i think if you had to say maybe two-thirds of the population would be leaning more toward that emotional side so i think that's what we need to key in on and whenever i'm keying in on on things or or working with somebody on how to sell something, I always tell them to key in on the emotional checklist and not on not on sitting down and listing like the benefits. You know, for example, if you're selling a car, right? You may not sit down and explain exactly how the air conditioning in that car works. You know, mm-hmm. okay, well, we turn it on and this happens and the compressor kicks in and, you know, within 3.4 minutes, uh, you'll start getting cool air into that car. No, you're going to tell them, you know what, if it's really hot outside, you get in the car, you just turn on the air conditioning and within a couple minutes, you're going to be feeling 
as comfortable as you want to be because you're going to focus on what makes them feel comfortable. That has to do with their emotional side. It doesn't necessarily have to do with them understanding. They don't care how, they don't want to understand how the air conditioning works. They just want to understand that when they get in the car and it's hot out, they're going to turn on the air and it's going to make them cool. Yeah, I love that. It makes me think of a story and it's a story about stories. It's <laughs> it's my husband. Um, he's the very logical part of me. <laughs> I'm the emotional uh, side of the family. He is the logical thing. He loves everything that is related to facts and and always takes decisions based on logical things. <laughs> Whereas I'm an emotional bias. But what I've realized is that emotions are still linked to the decision of buying or not for him as well, even though he's so technical and, and factual. And last time it really showed up in the way that he wanted to buy a watch. He wanted to buy a watch. And the story of the watch was just so good. They, they wrote, you know, the very salesy people, they wrote <laughs> that the watch was one limited edition uh, that was sold out during the time when the first man walked onto the moon and that he had this watch uh, when he walked onto the moon, like the same edition, not this watch, but the same edition. And he was like, do you imagine like this guy had it when he went onto the moon? I was like, that's a very good story, but that's just a story. You know, like the watch is not necessarily useful to you because you already have watches, you know, you don't really need it. There is no reason, logical reason for you to buy it. And still he bought it because the emotional feeling that he had from that story around the watch was something that triggered him. So we always say like, give reasons to buy and justify them with uh, emotions. So having a little bit of both, but I would still think that emotions are the trigger. They are what makes people buy, basically. Yeah. And we're talking about business here, but I think it's the same in relationships, you know? Yes. We usually lead with our emotions. In our brain, it all goes down to, and I talk a lot about the triune brain. We have the, the what we call the reptile brain, right? The oldest part of the brain, which is the fight or flight part of it, which really makes all mm -hmm. the decisions. But even after that, we have the emotional brain, the brain on top, the newest brain is the cerebral cortex, which is the thinking brain. And most people believe that they make all their decisions in their thinking brain. But what they're really mm -hmm. doing is they're making their decisions in that emotional or fight or flight part of the brain. And then they're using their thinking brain to rationalize why they made the decision in the first place. So again, we're, mm -hmm. we're getting into a little bit of neuroscience here, yeah. but when it comes to let's translate that a little bit into becoming successful. So how can we use the way our brains work to help us become more successful? And that's to learn that to recognize when our emotions are getting in the way of our success and being able to turn those emotions around to help us propel toward our success. So mm. I, I'm trying to think of an example of, of how we can do that. And I'm a little stuck right now. <laughs> um, I do have an example though coming to me. And I'm thinking about going on stage and how sometimes the fright of being on stage and performing can freeze you. So the fright of going on stage can freeze you. And you have Mel Robin that does this five second rule. You know, you might have heard about it. And it's like count down from five to one. And then you go and you act without leaving doubts to your brain. You, you just need to go and transform this stress 
into excitement. So again, a shift in the way you think about things. Uh, and I love that. I love this idea. That is beautiful. The thing that I was thinking of also is something to do with our physiology, because our physiology controls our emotions, really. If we change our physiology, we can change our emotions. So what I will do is, so think of something, Julia, that you are, that you need to do that maybe you don't really feel fully confident on doing, whether that be maybe it's doing a live video or standing up in front of uh, a group of people to giving a talk, whatever that would be. Do you have an example of what that might be? And I'll see if I can help you through it. But if I don't, okay, something I don't feel confident doing, there are little things that I don't feel confident doing, but there are some at the moment. And I think it's linked to the fact that my life has shifted with becoming a mother and that my body has shifted. And I used to be this very confident woman with the body that she liked. I loved the, the way I had shaped my body to be strong and to be able to do the sports that I wanted. And now I don't feel as confident when I go to the swimming pool and I see that my body has shifted in ways that I do not recognize it. And that's why I talked about body positivity at the beginning, I think, because it's something that impacts me at the moment. It's like, I love my body, but I don't recognize it. How can I shift my brain? Do I really have to shift my brain or can I work to towards becoming again what I loved? And there is this kind of like battle within myself mm. of like, yes, I, li I like myself. I love my body, but still I don't feel a hundred percent sure about it at the moment. So how do I change that? And it's not about becoming a certain type of beauty. It's about coming back to the level of beauty that I enjoyed onto my body, like just what I enjoyed. Yes. And then the question of like, is it shaped by other people or just me? And I think it's a little bit of both, right? right. Uh, anyway, coming back to it, I think comfortably wearing a bikini and going to a crowded pool with everyone around it and watching me when I still have, you know, my stretch mark from birth and things like that at the moment, that would be something I would not feel comfortable doing. How would you help me do that? Okay. What I would tell you to do. And it doesn't necessarily mean you have to put that particular suit on. Maybe you could you could put in uh, put on a, a one piece because you might feel less self confident. That would be up to you. But getting the in the right frame of mind and the right confidence and the right belief. So what I would tell you to do would be to think of a time when you know you maybe you walked out on that swimming pool and you had that that bathing suit on. All eyes were on you, and you knew that you nailed it, that you just had it. I want you to stand the way you stood, or in, the, in this case, yeah. sit, the way, sit the way you sat. I would be really happy, I think. Yeah, picture in your mind all those people and just how you're feeling and have that same smile that you have on your face. And that's mostly the same posture. Breathe the way you were breathing at the time. Feel everything that you felt, smell and see what you saw in that moment. And as soon as you've got it and you feel it exactly the way it is, I want you to just try to feel bad and try to feel self-confident. You cannot. You cannot, cannot do it. You, you cannot do it. But now what I want you to do is change your posture for a second to a time when you maybe you were a little bit nervous. Maybe it was like right after you gave birth and you are kind of walking around and you realize that, oh, I don't look like the way I used to. You change. I just, people can't see this, but you just change your posture completely. Now try to feel good. Is it oh, you're harder? making me shift all the time. This you is shift funny. all the time. Okay. Well, you're good so, at telling stories. So now go from that posture 
and go into the the first posture that that confident posture that you had when you walked out and just practice shifting and when you change yeah. into that posture that is that physiology that will make all the difference in the world and if you can't even you know some people out there might be thinking well i've never had that experience before well use someone else's experience think of somebody that you look up to and imagine that you were in that person's shoes stand the way they would stand feel what they would feel see what they saw and when you do that that is how you can walk out and feel a lot of confidence. And the last thing I'm going to say with this whole thing is have fun while you're doing it. Because if you want to be 30% more successful in anything you do, go in and do it with a fun and playful attitude. And mm -hmm. you know where I learned this, Julia? From FBI hostage negotiators. Because FBI hostage negotiators who went in with a more playful, let's see what happens, curious attitude and was or had that curiosity, they mm. were 30% more successful. And studies have shown that if you have that attitude, you can be at least 30% more successful in anything oh, yeah. that you do. So I think oh, that yeah. would be my uh, advice out there. Get in the right posture and go out there and have fun doing what you're doing. Yeah, I think I call that with my clients is power posture. And I think there are, there are keys into how you can shift, as you said, using your physiology, how you can shift your mindset. And that's something that I love practicing in the morning. And I think Tony Robin does it very well with the priming in the morning. And I love that. I think it's so powerful to, to use your body as a tool to be able to shift your brain and, and like everything is linked. So why not use everything that is in, in your hands to be able to trick your brain <laughs> and become more successful. So I really like that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Power poses. That's the Amy Cuddy uh, video that you can look up. That's the Wonder Woman yeah. pose or the Superman pose. Yeah. Uh, I always tell people before a job interview to sneak into the, the bathroom and go into maybe the stall yeah. before the interview and do that for like three minutes. Just stand there and do the same thing. Think about a time in your life when you were really confident and you'll walk out and studies have actually shown that if someone does that and doing that alone and having the interview, the interviewer will look at them and believe that they're a more confident, successful person and they're a better choice for that position. So it's crazy yeah. how physiology uh, does all that. So, you know, I think we've given a few good tips out there for believing in your own success and for having that confidence. Is there anything else before we close out today that you wanted to add? Yeah, it's been so long. Sorry. <laughs> I do have one more thing. Um, I need to choose, although I had so many other topics that I wanted to talk about. I need to choose. I think it would be enthusiasm. You talked a little bit about it and being enthusiastic with things around you, being curious, as you said, it just changes everything. Uh, and it leads you to believing in yourself. Being curious is something I see in my daughter every day. And she doesn't ask if she believes she can do it or not. She's just so curious about things and enthusiastic to learn that she just does it. It's but okay. if I had one last tip, it would be to be more enthusiastic. Be more enthusiastic. And I like the curiosity part of it too, because I just came up with a sentence and you can use this if you want curiosity equals velocity velocity means you can go faster and the more yeah. curious you are the faster you'll move up Very that true. success ladder you just have to be curious about trying something and it's all about you know we talked about learning confidence and how important it is to be invested in the learning 
and only interested in the success. And it's the same thing. I'm curious what's going to happen. You know what? Maybe this will work, but if it doesn't, then I'll have a lesson to learn from and I can move on and I can grow and, you know, I can be more confident in the process. I love that. Thank you very much. This has been so fun today. It's always great when we talk. We could probably go on for another hour, but we've got to move along. So I'm just going to ask again, if people were interested in reaching out to you, what would be the best way to do that? And maybe tell us a little bit more about some of the things that you do for your clients. Yeah, I think the best way to connect with me would be through Facebook and uh, Messenger on Facebook. And just go take a look at my profile there. I talk a lot about confidence and um, communication. So it's how to confidently communicate, not only for the relationship that you have, but mostly for your business and how to grow your business thanks to the way you communicate with the people, with your potential clients, how to build influence, how to learn um, more about yourself as well, how you communicate yourself. So yes, it's a mix of confidence and communication and this is what I love the most (laughs) to talk about so if you're interested in that come see me on Facebook well I'm sure uh, a lot of people out there will be interested in that and learning about confident communication that is definitely one of the things and one of the skills that we all need in this uh, world today Mm -hmm. now last time you were on the show I asked you the signature question what does being purposely positive mean to you But I'm going to follow up that question with a question is, how can we use our positivity to impact the world in a better way? By over-delivering with everything that you're learning. Use your your positivity to learn more and grow more as a person and then impact others by teaching it. I'm a teacher at heart. (laughs) I've always taught. So that's my primary job. And I think... It is linked to that. You use that positivity to impact you. And then after you spread it, (laughs) does that answer your question? Absolutely. And you're a teacher at heart. And that's why we love having you on the podcast. Julia, thanks so much today. And I'm sure we'll probably have you back again. Yeah. Thank you, guys. Thank you, Tony. And you've been listening to Strive to Thrive, the purposely positive podcast brought to you by TonyWCoaching.com, where your greatest success is right in front of you. And you may be out there trying to believe in your success, but you need a little help. You can download a free resource, an ebook called Strive to Thrive, and it'll help you in the direction of a purposely positive life.